Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the word that you've birthed in my heart. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke, Lord. We thank you for your precious truth and grace. And we thank you, Lord, for a perfect balance of the two. We thank you, Lord, that you will touch hearts and minds through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to Luke chapter 2, which is where we were last week for the Christmas story, the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to go a little further on and show you a couple of things that have really blessed me, and I believe they're going to bless you too. Amen? Amen. Luke chapter 2, go to the 21st verse. And I'm going to just read there a few verses, probably all the way down to, to 40. So Jesus had been born, and we got through the Christmas, the birth of Christ last week, and now here... He is in the 21st verse, and it starts like this. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, doing everything according to the law of Moses, okay? He was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses... They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy of the Lord. And he was her firstborn, of course. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Now, this is the part I want you to pay attention to. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. What's the consolation of Israel? What were they waiting to be consoled? They are waiting for the Messiah. And he was waiting. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, (coughs) he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall of and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, 
and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years <coughs> from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at this very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their town, own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon them. So right there, just notice and between verses 39, it says, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. There's probably several years in between those scriptures right there, because that's when, so they had probably founded a home in Bethlehem where he was born. Then when persecution came and they were seeking to kill the children, they were warned by God to flee. And they went to Egypt and had returned and then went on back to home. So that's that. But what I want to show you is, remember I told you to pay attention to Simeon. And for that matter, and for that matter, um, Anna, the prophetess. But really, I want to focus in on Simeon because it mentions specifically something about him. <clears throat> a point that I'm making is that there are a lot of people in the body of Christ, preachers and otherwise, who are real scholars of the word. They have studied the word. They have learned the word. They have learned it in every language and translation and <laughs> sometimes and gone to seminary and got whatever degree they could hang on their walls. And in many cases, these people are frustrated, so frustrated and so their testimony is that one of the things that upsets them the most about charismatics is that they have this revelation knowledge, you see. They'll hear someone on the radio or they'll see a message or hear a message from someone who's maybe someone like me, just to use a description of someone who's not that refined or, or hasn't received a master's in theology and all that or... Or someone like some of the really great preachers that are around, as far as I'm concerned, which I don't consider myself one, so I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they see someone who's not nearly as educated as them, who doesn't have all the background and, and uh, pedigrees that they do, but they elaborate on the scriptures in a way that is amazing to them. And they say, I've read that and studied that every way there is, and I never saw that. 
And what it is is, and, and they'll ask. And it's just any, any person that knows the Lord, an evangelical that has the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and walks in the ministry of the Holy, Holy Ghost is prepared to tell them it's just revelation knowledge. Just the Lord gives it to me. I pray about it and the Lord shows it to me. He turns the light on. It's not me. See, Simeon had no way of knowing from observation or instruction by man that Jesus was the Messiah. He had seen thousands of babies while he was waiting there all these years because the Lord had shown him, the Holy Ghost had given to him that he would not die until he saw the Christ child. Now, how did he know when he saw it? There was no mark on Jesus, no no uh, crown on his head as we know. Mm-hmm. He was born in a manger, in a feeding trough. Well, the Holy Spirit told him. He quickened it in his spirit. He, was, he, just, re- he just remained receptive and attentive to God. And he had developed hearing. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing that's available to every born again believer who accepts this ministry of the Holy Spirit. Simeon just had his heart in tune with with the Holy Spirit and it became known to him at the appropriate time. And the same thing happened when Anna showed up. She realized supernaturally. And that's how God speaks to us. And that's why it's so important that we walk in the ministry of the Holy Spirit to let him lead us and guide us through this life all the way to our final destination with our heavenly bridegroom. This shouldn't be such a surprise to believers that God would speak to someone like that. We see it in nature all the time. God says that people know that I'm God and that they're not him. They know it Even if they haven't heard about me, they see it by the things I've created. Isn't that what he says in Romans chapter 1? We see fish and birds and animals of all types migrate back to the same place they were born in. Not anything that was taught to them. It's something that they know intuitively. God speaks to them. And if he'll speak to them, why won't he speak to us? All we have to do is listen for the supernatural voice of God on the inside of us because he's always speaking. Jeremiah chapter 29 says, seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Simeon had done just that thing and he was very in tune with God's voice. And he heard him at the right time and he pointed out that this is the Christ child. And he knew then, he said, you can take me home now, Lord, I've seen him. I want to go a little bit further in Luke. Just turn the page to chapter 4. And I want to show you just a glimpse as we head into this new year. Tomorrow is New Year's Eve. And so when we meet again, we'll be in the new year. 
And I want to show you something that will bless you. If you make it your own. Amen. That what I just shared right there should have. But I'll keep pushing. We're going to press a button here in a minute. Amen. Luke chapter 4. Look at the 18th verse. And I just want to give you the backdrop here. Jesus, from the time he was a baby there, he had grown up full of wisdom. And he grew in favor with God and men, didn't he? And he was raised up properly in the fear and admonition of the Lord. He had become in every way just like us. And he learned about himself through these scriptures and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Just like I'm talking about is available to you. And then he went and he was baptized by his cousin who was born just to proclaim the coming of the Lord, John the Baptist. He was baptized by him in the Jordan River. The same time he was baptized in water, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have to come at the same time. It can come prior to the baptism at water immersion. It can come after. It shows us that, pictures of that in Acts. So you can't put God in a box in that regard. But Jesus had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when he was baptized. And immediately, the Holy Spirit drew him where? Off into the desert, into the wilderness. And for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted. And he was tempted of the devil, wasn't he? Every time he responded with what? The word of God. And he overcame the temptations. And now, in this verse right here, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus had, had, had came and preached in his hometown. And this is where he is right now. This is where this scripture is. Again, he had come to preach in the synagogue in his own hometown. He had done this before. Growing up, they would stand up and they would do a reading from the scrolls, from the Old Testament, from the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And then they had the words of the prophets as well. But this time, Jesus returns And he's preaching there again after returning from the Jordan. This time, though, his his message is different. Why? Because Jesus is different. He's been anointed by the Holy Ghost. And he speaks now of the anointing of the Lord. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. To proclaim or preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Praise God. Now let's look into that a little bit. This time the message was different. Because Jesus was different. The anointing was upon him and he speaks of it. The anointing of the Lord to 
heal the sick and to deliver the afflicted. And he declared that he had come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, what is all that? The acceptable year of the Lord <clears throat> refers to Jubilee. Jubilee comes from the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 25, and it lays it out. It's an event that occurred once every 50 years. Grace. And it was an amazing event because everyone who had lost anything during that 50 year period would get it back. Everything went back to its original owner and all the slaves were released. It was a legal holiday in Israel. And so the only way that anyone could miss out on repossessing all of their lost things was to be ignorant of the law. If you didn't know about it, you might miss out. Now, why did Jesus compare his ministry to this Old Testament event? Because he was anointed by God to bring back to us what had been taken by the devil. Oh my goodness. Praise God. Think about that. That's why he says recovering of sight. Something that had been taken or lost or stolen by the devil, the captives were set free, he said, to set the captives free. Freedom for slaves. Anyone in bondage. And I want you to look at this both physically and spiritually. Jesus takes the blessing from Satan and gives it back to its rightful owner. Us. And he takes the curse and every aspect of it away from us and gives it back to its rightful owner, Satan. <laughs> Hallelujah. The only thing is this new creation jubilee, unlike the Old Testament jubilee that is once every 50 years and it's just for one year the new creation jubilee is eternal and now we can lay claim to everything that Satan has stolen from us but if we're ignorant of that law of that promise we may go our entire lives and I have a feeling that is some of the tears that Jesus is going to wipe away from our eyes is the fact that we could have had it all and we were just ignorant of the truth or spiritually lazy and we never entered into the warfare 
that was required to live the life and stand in faith on the promises of God, which all in Christ are yes and amen. If the, if the devil has stolen anything from us, we entitled through Jesus Christ, not by any merit of our own, the only merit that we have is the fact that God is pleased with us because we put our faith for all eternity in His Son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, He's put everything good on our account that Jesus has earned. The joy of the Lord is our strength. All of the promises of God are ours. They've already been granted. What does it say right here when you open up the book of Ephesians? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, past tense, has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You say, well, that's, that's uh, spiritual blessings, that's in heaven, that's because I'm going to go to heaven and all my blessings are waiting on me there. No, that's not what that's saying at all. We are three-part beings. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says we are spirit, soul, and body. God is a spirit, John 4.24, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So if God is a spirit, and He created us in His image, then we are a spirit as well. And just like God, we have a soul, which is our own personality, our mind, our will, and emotions. And we have this earthly body, which we're going to trade in for a heavenly one or eternal one, an incorruptible one. The point is, the way that we get all of these spiritual blessings out into this natural realm where we can utilize and be benefited in this life is by faith. We have to pray, we have to believe and wait and continue in hope and prayer and faith until we receive because the spirit of breakthrough is just waiting to work in your situation. He is a real spirit. And there are thousands and thousands of promises of God pertaining to each one of us. Have you ever heard or seen one of those deals? They say, uh, go to this website and put in your name or your driver's license number or your social security number and see if there's any unclaimed benefits there for you. And sometimes people go and there's stuff that's a lot of money. Sometimes people get a little money. Sometimes there's nothing there. But sometimes there's a lot of stuff there and they had no way of knowing. Maybe that was an inheritance that they didn't know about. Or maybe I've seen people just get deposits back that they left on things or, or other things. But they get money. Well, I think there's an account like that for every one of us. Every, every born-again believer, I think there's an account like that, but I think it is overflowing with amazing benefits and rewards if we would just go and stake our claim. Anything that we've caught the devil stealing from us, we can demand repayment of. And we don't have to receive or stay in any aspect of the curse Just go read Deuteronomy 28. Let's just look at a few of these things. Talking about blessings and curses. 
and see if we find any categories where we might now listen this is the old covenant so we have to read it through new covenant lenses okay based on the fact that things have been established already things have already been earned on our behalf and things have already been put away on our behalf. In other words, the blessing of God has already been earned. In other words, here they're trying to earn their blessings. Jesus has done that for us, okay? So the blessings of God now, instead of by legally earning them, we just claim them by faith. And then on the other hand, starting in the 15th verse of Deuteronomy 28, talks about the curses. He talks about blessing and cursing here. And those curses, we can just, we can, it's good to know what they are because when you recognize one of them in your life, you reject it in the name of Jesus and give it back to Satan to whom it came from and who it belongs. You hear? So what I'm saying is let's just look at this. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, who did that? Who's the only one who ever did that? Jesus, and it's done and it's settled. So that's what I'm saying. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. There's a promise. Claim it. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Think of that. Think of God chasing you down and sending angels to overtake you with blessings. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall you be the fruit of your womb, and the fruit of your ground, and the fruit of your cattle. I've seen, I've seen many, many cases where people say they couldn't have a baby. And, and they came, and they were prayed for, someone laid hands on them, and they became pregnant almost immediately. This is one of the blessings of God. This is something that the enemy cannot steal from us. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. There's your, there's your cupboard. There's your groceries. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing of you in your barns and in all that you undertake. All that you undertake. That right there is enough to stand on and to believe for. He will bless you in the land that your Lord, your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you. And it goes on and on. That you shall be the head only and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. And the Lord is... Faithful to his promises. Now, there are lots of spiritual laws that we talk about all the time. So it's important that we learn how to participate and to keep ourselves in position to receive from the Lord and don't open doors for the devil to come in and hinder all the things that God is trying to do for us. But the truth remains that all of these blessings are ours. And all of the curses are the devil's and we need to just... Make sure that we get them back to their rightful owners. Amen? <laughs> Listen, there's a new year coming. Look over in 
Proverbs chapter 4. I'm just going to read the last seven verses of Proverbs 4. The Lord speaking to us says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. It's an interesting passage of scripture and beautiful and comforting. I like it when God just speaks to us frankly and directly and gives us simple instructions. And it's really always the same. Agree with God. The sooner we agree with God, the better. And you can't agree with Him and everything unless you really know more about Him. So it's important to stay in the Word. That's why He says, My son or daughter, be attentive to my words. Where do we get His words? From the Word, from the Bible. Incline your ear to my sayings. In other words, you lean in. You're you're interested. You have an interest. You you uh, you uh, you esteem God more highly than others. And there are some people that you give more weight to their words than others, don't you? There are some people that you know that you just say, "Man, I'd like to believe you, but I've I've never been able to believe anything else you've ever said." So I'm really probably not going to start now. Trust has to be earned. I love you and I forgive you, but trust is something that has to be earned. With God, he's trustworthy, isn't he? He's faithful. And so why wouldn't we give credence to what he has to say? Because I think some people just don't think that it applies to them and it's not for them. But we just know based on the message from today that God's blessings and God's promises are for us. That Jesus came to be sure that we walk in all of the wonderful things that he's promised for us. It's the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. Verse 22 says that God's words are life to those who find them. See? So what does that mean? Can you see yourself in a position where you are searching out for a promise from God, a word from God through the Bible. You're digging, you're effectively looking for something that will be quickened in your spirit because this word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So these words are for now. And one scripture that you read a thousand times, one day you open the Bible and it will just jump out at you and that's your word. That's what you're standing on. When you run into somebody and they say, what, what's God saying to you? What are you standing on? What are your script? That's it right there. That's the latest one that God gave you and you ought to be mulling that over in your heart and mind all day long and standing on the promise that he's made to you. He says, "If you, if for their life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Their, the, healing is part of the inheritance of the children of God. 
And not, not only physical healing, but that is definitely part of it. But God wants to heal us everywhere we hurt. Our minds, our hearts, our emotions, our bodies. Everywhere. And I, I remember uh, there was a, a great man of God that influenced me a lot when I was very young in the Word. His name was Derek Prince. He's been dead now for some years, but he was uh, he was an English gentleman, and I just enjoyed listening to him. He was full of wisdom of the from the Word, and uh, but he was talking about when he was in World War II. He was over in Africa, and he was very sick. And he was in a hospital tent there, and uh, and he couldn't get healed because in this dry, sandy climate that they were in, the skin uh, disease that he'd come down with just wouldn't cure, wouldn't be, and it was it made him miserable, and it was just bad. He was in there for weeks in this hospital, and he remembered that the Lord told him <clears throat> he was reading a scripture. And it, and it pertained to taking the word like medicine. And he saw that the Lord was showing him because he was taking several medications there that at that time. So it's something that spoke to him in the scriptures. And, it, and he said, take my word like medicine. And three times a day, read the scriptures that pertain to your healing. And, that's, and he latched on to that. And he began to get better. And then God sent... Uh, someone, uh, a woman and her assistant from the Red Cross uh, or the Salvation Army. And I think they were actually military people. I don't know. I'm not military, so I don't know how that works. But this woman had some rank on her and she was actually able to uh, to pray with him. And she was actually able to get him out of the hospital and take them into their their Jeep or their ambulance. Uh, to 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 get private so they could actually pray and and he they began to pray in the spirit and he remembers that that entire vehicle began to shake and it was filled with the spirit of the lord and the presence of god and it was amazing time for him and he was healed and god did all that for him and that's just simply by seeking God in the word and standing on the promises of God and taking something that simple. And, you know, now that may not be. I mean, I, I, I recommend anyone who's sick to take it three times a day like medicine. But that was the word for him. You see, I, I say never let it depart from your lips or from your mind. But anyway, you get my point. I don't want to put God in a box because just like he just like he told Peter to come to him on the water he didn't tell the other disciples so if they would have tried to walk on the water they would have sank so we all need we all need to seek God for ourselves amen look at verse 24 put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from your mouth i'm talking about these simple things because the new year's coming and a lot of people want to make uh, new year's uh, resolutions and all those things and Christians wonder, should I do that? Is that bad and, and good? Because we know that we're not supposed to make vows. And uh, and you can set yourself up for some really negative things if you uh, set unrealistic goals and so forth. So that's what I'm getting at here. I want to talk to you about these just for a minute. Put away from crooked speech and put devious talk from your mouth. I think, now I know, that all of us, um, we talk more than we should. 
and we don't talk the way that we should. I, I think that applies mostly. Uh, I mean, if you just want to, you know, the Bible says that where there's abundance of words, there is sin. <laughs> I don't think you can put it any more clearly than that. Somebody who just talks all the time, they're sinning. I'm, I'm telling you, they, they can't, you can't just continue to talk and babble on like that and, and really always be speaking from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It won't always be edifying. It will be, you will be have words of fear mixed in there. If you're talking all the time, it's generally nerves anyway or something like that. There's going to be fear mixed in, which is, is, is very unhealthy. And uh, there will be negativity. There will be criticisms. There will be things like that. And God says, whatever we say is supposed to edify those who hear it. Build them up. And if it doesn't, we just don't need to be talking. There are some times when... when uh, there are some times when, uh, when it's necessary... For rebuke or uh, or teaching uh, for someone's betterment, but I tell you now, as a, as a pastor, uh, over the last decade, I have come to know one thing: they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And if and everything when it when it comes to bringing correction to someone, and if you're really doing it out of a good heart because you really desire for them to come up. God will give you a door or window of opportunity to do that. But you need to consider what some call a, uh, maybe a praise sandwich where you if, you, if you have some correction to bring or a rebuke of some sort, any sort of criticism, and you're not doing it just to be negative or to point out someone's fault, but to help them. And you've decided on that, you've thought about it, you've molded over and you say, yeah, I do need to bring some light to this, but... Let me tell them some good things first. I'm going to tell them some good things, a couple or two or three good things about themselves. And then I'm going to put this in there and then I'm going to follow up with more praise. So I should call it a praise sandwich. If you think about it like that, you'll go a lot further. And because when we stand before God and we are judged for every every word of this life. And now listen, no, we're not going to be judged uh, at the white throne judgment and not going to hell, but we will receive awards, awards or the lack of them. And some of us, uh, some no, some of them, no one, no one here, and no one that's hearing this now. I hope, but uh, uh, some will get in, but it will be as if they've been through a fire. They'll be smelling like smoke, and all that straw and stubble will be burned off, and only the precious things will remain. Amen. Let's don't be that. Let's mark our words this coming year and just be mindful of that. And just ask the Holy Spirit to remind you of these things. And to, because He is a gentleman and He's not going to just rebuke you either. But when, maybe if you talk to Him about it and say, Lord, you've got to help me with this. When you find yourself being critical or negative or raising your voice or doing all the things that we know that we're not supposed to do that are not edifying to the hearer, the Holy Spirit will take you aside and say, why aren't you trusting me? Because when we do that, we're not operating in faith. And anything that's not of faith is what? Sin. Sin. That's right. So that's, there's, there's a goal, okay? There's a goal for all of us. And believe me, I've got myself at the top of that list. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. 
what's he talking about there? Don't be looking around with wondering eyes. Uh, we can all think of some very uh, good applications for that. The, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the original sins. We know that we're all, um, those of us that are married, we do not need to be looking elsewhere. We need to have closed all the doors in our minds and our hearts for any opportunity for anything like that. And also for the things that God has shown us to do. The plans and the goals that God has put in our hearts. We do not need to be trying to find other things to do. We can lead to frustration and and be beating our heads against the wall if we're just kicking against the goads or fighting against God and trying to do things on our own that God has not called us to do. So we need to seek Him regarding those things. And But just, just uh, regarding the fact that uh, there are lots of discussions and opinions about Christians and should they do, should they make New Year's resolutions and that sort of thing? Is it bad? Is it good? Well, there's just some scriptures that show you right here. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Turn your foot from evil. So he's really instructing us to consider our ways. And you can't consider or ponder the path of your feet where you've been unless you think back. So there's no future in the past. And we never want our memories to be bigger than our dreams. But at the same time, it is good to look back possibly on a year or on a life or whatever. But in this case, we're talking about an annual turn of events, which is the new year. So it's good to look back and think about the things that have taken place and to see how much of it was actually inspired by God, how much of it we stayed on course with God on the narrow path and how many times we we ventured off onto the broad highway, which is, leads to destruction. So why would we do that? Not to get into condemnation and guilt, but simply to address these things with God when we recognize that we ventured off onto that busy highway, the fast lane with all the world. Let's just say, Lord, I'm sorry. Uh, I ventured back out there and I realized there's nothing there for me. Only thing that matters is you and what you have for me. And, uh, and then celebrate with him about the good things that have happened. Celebrate with your spouse. Celebrate with your family members. Make memorials and, 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 and write down the good things. We, don't, we know that love keeps no record of wrongs. So we don't want to put a journal down about every time that our spouse spoke ugly to us or, or we had an argument or something. I think that is very, very counterproductive because it says love keeps no record of wrongs. But... I think it is good to document good things. When God showed up and He showed off in your life and you prayed and He came and answered your prayers, I think it's great to have journals and, and uh, memories of all the things that God has done in our lives. And then, not just the past, but to set goals and to seek God for His plans and dreams for you for the future. Short, medium, long-term goals. Just say, God, what do you have for me? Now, don't wait for him to call you on the phone or to speak to you on the loudspeaker at uh, HEB. He's going to speak to you just like he did to Simeon and to Anna. He's going to have the ministry of the Holy Spirit and he's going to put things in your heart and mind. And if you really believe that that's God or as far as you can tell, that's the best 
your best guess on what you believe God is asking you to do, head in that direction. Head in that direction and let Him make the course corrections along the way because He sees that you're operating in faith on what you believe is His will for your life. He will honor that. It may not be what He wants. In other words, He's not going to take you to that destination, but He will not... He will not rebuke you and not get on to you for it because you're really operating in faith in what you believe He wants you to do. And then and you're seeking Him for course corrections and for new, new instructions all along the way. And Lord is faithful to partner with you in that. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Well, I think that we're going to stop right there. That is a great word. Uh, if it came from a better preacher, it might have been more exciting. But I can tell you there that the truths in this message are powerful and helpful and comforting and they're guiding and they will add to your life if you will apply these truths and, and meditate on them and make them your own. Amen. There's some great truths in that and I just think it's a special special message and I, I hope that we all see that the necessity of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Remember, all of the disciples were with Jesus for three and a half years, his entire earthly ministry. They saw him do wonderful things. They heard him teach powerful truths. They knew more about Jesus than anybody in the world. And he had entrusted them with everything regarding the church, which is his body. But he told them after he was risen, and about to be ascended to heaven, do not, he said, go to Jerusalem and do not do anything. Don't go preach, don't go teach, don't do anything in my name until you receive the promise from the Father, which is the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit to help them. And if they needed it and Jesus needed it, then we need it. And so we need to rely on the ministry of the Holy Spirit for revelation knowledge, for wisdom. And we need to believe in the promises of God that Jubilee has come for all born-again believers. That anything the enemy has taken from us, we need to just write it down. Anything that we have that's His, we need to write that down too. And then we need to speak against all the curses in our life, any aspect of the curse Get rid of it in the name of Jesus. Rebuke the devil. Cancel every assignment against you in the name of Jesus. And then claim all of the blessings of God. And if it's been taken from you, claim it sevenfold. The enemy will have to repay. Amen. And then just walk in the love and peace of God all this year. And watch what God does. He wants to show off in your life. He wants you to walk in the promises and blessing that He has provided more than you want him to give it to you. He's already given it. He's saying, I've already done it. Now you need to learn my ways. Keep yourself in position to operate in the supernatural laws that I have in place. Sowing and reaping in every way regarding our finances, our words, our time, everything. Give him the best part and make sure you put him in center place of all your relationships and your home. And he's going to prosper you in this coming year. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you for revelation knowledge, Lord, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 
Thank you for Jubilee, Lord. But it's not an annual event anymore. It is eternal through Jesus Christ who came to set the captives free and to return all the things of the blessing that the enemy has stolen from your children. And we thank you, Lord. We are receiving. We receive all of your blessings by faith. We reject every aspect of the curse. We declare that we are healthy and whole from head to toe. And that we are blessed and prosperous in every area of our lives. Emotionally, physically, financially, relationally. And we thank you, Lord, that we walk in the peace that you promised us in John 14, 27. The peace that you promised to never take away from us. And we will do our part to not let our hearts be troubled or afraid. We will not get into fear or worry or doubt or unbelief. We will stand firm believing that you are great and you love us. And that you want us to walk in peace and prosperity, even as our souls prosper, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.